Thanksgiving season. I don't know what number. I'm waiting for it to come up on the board here. It's about to come up here. I left the list in the back. 465. 465. Okay, let's not do 465. What number? I know she changed it. I don't know why it came up the same. There you go, 449. 449. All right.
And if you can, let's all stand for this one. Please do be seated. 
Did y'all see that sunset tonight? Wasn't that gorgeous? It was beautiful. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. Do remember, uh, prime time is uh, Tuesday, the 14th of November, uh, at 11:30 in the church basement. Uh, we we need to have a business meeting, and so men, we need to have a meeting. I know we don't have a lot of guys here. Um, we've already pretty much talked about what we need to do. I just want everybody to know that that's what we're thinking about doing. And, and if we have enough men Wednesday, I'd kind of like to, to vote that in. We're just trying to get higher interest on our deposits for our accounts. And so it's really just letting everybody know what we're doing with the money. And, uh, and then also, we have quite a bit of money in our uh, missions account. Thank you. And... Uh, I think it'd be good for us maybe to give some of that to our missionaries in the form of a, of a Christmas uh, time gift. Not a gift, it's their money. But uh, just something we can talk about tonight, and then maybe we'll vote on that. And so just those two issues, and, uh, and so if you can, just stay for a minute afterward, and we'll talk about those two things. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, remember that uh, next Sunday night is going to be our praise and testimony service. Please come for that. That's usually always a real blessing. And, uh, and then the midweek service will be Tuesday the 21st instead of Wednesday so that people can get their cooking done uh, for Thanksgiving and traveling and everything like that. So we're going to receive our evening offerings if our men will come to receive those. There you go. And Jason, ask the Lord's blessing if you would. Amen. Two thirty six an invitation. Ah, two thirty six. There we go. Let's sing two thirty six.
Amen. Well, I already told you what I'm preaching tonight, so if you remember, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 83 tonight. Psalm 83. When it comes to what's going on in the world today, some of these uh, portions of Scripture that we could have read in the past and really meant nothing to us. But I will say this, a lot of people in Israel are asking that question. They're, they're literally saying, is this fulfillment of that prophecy? And then a lot of people are looking at Psalm 83, and they're wondering if this is being fulfilled. And to be quite honest with you, there's people on both sides of the issue where they're saying, is this the fulfillment of that? I will tell you this, when it comes to prophecy, and you'll see here in a moment, when it comes to Gaza, you can see how that these things could apply over and over and over again. Because Gaza has been, if you will, a thorn in Israel's side from the beginning. And we'll show you that here in a second. I want you to know that there's 19 uses of the word Gaza in our Bible. Okay, And all of them are talking that, that region. Uh, we associate it with the Philistines, but originally it was associated with the Canaanites. And we'll show you this here in just a moment. And so, if you will, different people have been in that area over the centuries, and yet they've always been a thorn in the side of Israel, okay, regardless of what type of people were there, all right? And so, Psalm 83, if you will, let's read it. Psalm 83 and verse 1, the Bible says, Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. That's their prayer, they're crying out, Lord, say something. It says, For lo... Thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against the hidden ones. Excuse me, thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Does that sound like a headline? <laughs> Depends on what newspaper, but yeah. The Bible says, For they have consulted together with one consent, they are confederate against thee. And the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and of the Hagarenes and Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines and the inhabitants of Tyre. By the way, if you're not familiar, he basically just talked about from south to north all the inhabitants, the enemies of Israel. Okay, And uh, it says Asher and... Uh, Asher, folks, is associated with Assyria. And I don't know if you can see it here, but here's a map, okay? And that's all the land that Assyria controlled at one time. And it goes all the way down to Egypt, okay? By the way, is Egypt enemies of Israel today? Yeah. And it comes up through here. Here's, here's Gaza. And then up here, Tyre, that's uh, Lebanon, okay? Up here is Syria. Over here is Iraq down here and Iran and Syria up here, Okay. By the way, all those nations today are the same nations that are attacking them today, okay? 
And so, if you will, when it talks about Asher there, get the big picture. He's talking about all the enemies of, of Israel have come, become confederate against Israel, okay? They don't have anything in common, but they have Israel as an enemy in common. It says, Asher also is joined with them. They have hope in the children of Lot, okay? And that's Moab and Ammon, okay, as the children of Lot. Excuse me, it says, but unto them as unto... The Midianites, do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kishon, which perish at Endor, they become as dung for the earth, make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their, princi- all their princes as Zeba and as Zelmuna, who said, Let us make to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O oh my God, uh, make them like a wheel and as a stubble before the wind. Okay? Meaning, get them out of here. You all see that? All right. It says, as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecuteth them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. And I have this highlighted in my Bible, that verse there, okay? Because I think that's the key. It says, let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises and to worship you today. <coughs> Excuse me. And Father, we just pray that you would uh, help us to understand this, your word. Father, we pray that uh, we would maybe be able to use it for a witnessing opportunity to get people uh, to consider God at this difficult time. And Father, just be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. Be with those who will be traveling even in the days and weeks ahead. And Father, we just uh, pray that your will will be done in us. We love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so, if you will, uh, it is talking about Gaza here. And um, it's talking about the enemies of Israel. Okay, And there's uh, basically four things we want to take and we want to look at. And the first thing is, is Islam's or Hamas's goal. Because it tells you right here what their goal is, all right? And um, lest you think I'm just preaching current events, I'm, I'm really not, because it's, it's teaching you about the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel, okay? So look what it says in verse 4. Because this is their goal. They, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, okay? Well, Israel's been a nation since 1948. Let's cut them off, okay? And they're both making claims. Now, Israel calls it Israel. Palestine calls, Palestinians call it Palestine, and the reason for that is they're both claiming, if you will, a historical claim to that land. We belong to that land. Now, I don't know how many of y'all know this, but hardly anybody lived there about the time that Israel was thinking about becoming a nation. Uh, they literally moved people in there so that they would have a claim on the land. They took the name Philistines not because they have that as their heritage. They took that name because they knew it had political impact. And they could say, we're the Philistines, this is our land, you can't have it, this is ours, historically it is ours. Well, yes, it is, in a sense, meaning that it's not Israel's, okay? It is Israel's in the sense it's part of their inheritance, okay? My point is they do have a claim for it, Israel's claim is better, okay? And so if you will, verse 4 again, it says, They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Now, if they are able to accomplish that, by the way, they'll be able to accomplish that in opposition to all the promises of God. 
Can I, can I tell you one of the reasons that they want to take and accomplish this goal is because then they can say, see, God's a liar. He's not powerful. He is, he is who, who do they think is powerful? Yeah, Allah, okay. He says here, let Jehovah's name be known. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Anybody know what Allah is? Just occurred to me. Does anybody know what Allah is? Moon God. Did anybody know how they came to choose Allah? You guys know anything about Muhammad? Okay. Muhammad, if you will, he was an illegitimate son growing up, I believe, in his uncle's home, if I remember right. And, uh, and, and if you will, they were warring tribes, okay? Warring tribes of, uh, of Bedouins, Midianites, um, different names, whatever you want to call them. And he was able to organize them, and he had all these dreams and visions and everything like that. And you guys ever seen the, the Kaaba? You guys, you'll know what I'm talking about whenever you see that. It's a big square building that they put a drape around it. And people will walk in a circle. And the whole point is to get to the middle of the circle and touch it. And then they kind of walk out of the circle. Okay? And, and they go. And it's part of their religion called the Hajj. Um, the Hajj is a pilgrimage. Okay? And every uh, Muslim, one time in their life, has to make a pilgrimage to Mecca to go to uh, the, did I say this right? It is Mecca, yeah. And then what I call it, the Kaaba. There we go. I think I got that right. Anyhow, they have to take and they have to do that once a, once a lifetime. Okay, that's one of the things that they have to do as a faithful Muslim, right? Uh, you guys, uh, what country is that in? Does anybody know? Yeah, it's in Saudi Arabia. Christians aren't allowed in Saudi Arabia. Did you know that? If you're a proclaiming Christian, if you were to hand a gospel tract to somebody in Saudi Arabia, that's a death penalty, guys. And so you're just not allowed to be a practicing Christian in that country, all right? And so my whole point is, is that when Muhammad went to that Kaaba, it was, if you will, a pantheon. And what I mean by that is every tribe had their god in there, gods, okay? Their idols, all right? And so he came in and he said, we're not going to worship any more idols. We're only going to worship one. And he chose, if you will, his tribes and his families, God, his deity, which was Allah, the moon God. Okay. If you study your Bible and you want to do an interesting study, I believe it was Gideon, whenever uh, he took and he fought the Midianites, he asked, they said, what can we give you? He says, give me the jewelry off of the camels. And if you look at it, it's a crescent moon symbol, okay? It's, it's been an ancient symbol, the crescent moon, okay? And so, if you will, that's how they got the moon god. The crescent moon is for Allah. And it just helps you to understand, you know, what their thinking is. And so they, their, their, their testimony of faith is uh, Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. That's how a person becomes a Muslim, okay? What does it take for us to become a Christian? We must... Repent of our sins and believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. True? Well, for them to become Muslim, they have to say Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. Okay? That's how that they become a Muslim. All right? And so, if you will, um, their claims, if you will, are we're monotheists. We only worship the one true God, but that one true God was an idol in that Kaaba, if you will, and he was the moon God. That's, listen, it's not even arguable. Okay, it's not even arguable. 
And so, if you will, it's a contest between the one true God, Jehovah, okay, and the false God. By the way, who's behind all idols? Satan is, okay? So, Satan is behind all idols. And so, this is just an old from the beginning contest between the devil and between Satan, okay? And so, if you will, what is, what is the devil's goal? He wants to take and he wants to eliminate Israel as a nation. If he can do that, he can say, see, God doesn't keep his promises to Israel. He's not a true God. He's not a powerful God. And uh, I think he thinks might makes right. I told you the other day, what's the ratio of Muslims to... Uh, to, to uh, Israelis, do you guys anybody remember? I don't even remember, so I have to think. I think it was 147 to 1. I think it was 147 to 1, okay? And so, if you got all the armies of Islam, right, and they came against Israel, how many of y'all think Islam would win? 147 to 1. Well, it's a good thing we're looking at Gaza here tonight. Because God in his text here makes it a point to take and to talk about how that they can have confidence, all right? So we see the first thing, if you will. The first thing is Islam's goal. They want to take and remove Israel as a, as a nation. They've, 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 they've stated it here. But then, if you will, notice Islam's allies, or Hamas's allies, if you will, Gaza's allies. Look at verse 5. The Bible describes all their allies. And the Bible says, for they have consulted together with one consent, they, have, they are confederate against thee. Meaning all these uh, Muslim nations, if you will, are against Israel. And listen, all you've got to do is read a newspaper. You don't even have to read a history book to see uh, who is, uh, help me out, you've got Gaza, you've got Hezbollah, where's Hezbollah? In Lebanon, okay, they all, they're bombing, they're all, by the way, you don't hear about all that's going on there because they don't want people to know about it. But uh, who's financing it all? Iran. Okay, remember the map I showed you? I did that on purpose. Okay? Here's, I showed you that map on purpose because here's Iran. Okay? And here's Lebanon. Here's Gaza. All right? And they're confederate all together saying we're going to remove them from being a nation. All right? Well, if you will... Uh, again, I showed you the map there. Look what it says. It names them. It says the Tabernacles of Edom. Okay, the Edomites, of course, are the, uh, become enemies of uh, Israel. You only have to read a number of the, the minor prophets to see how much they hated Israel. Uh, the Ishmaelites. Okay, by the way, that's their brother. All right, but the Ishmaelites of Moab of the Hagarenes. I got to be honest with you. I don't know who the Hagarenes are. Uh, Gebel and Ammon and Amalek. Guys, remember the Amalekites? They were giants. Okay, giants. All right. He says the Philistines and the inhabitants of Tyre. And if you will, that's basically that map. The Bible says Asher is also joined with them. It's interesting that he makes a point of saying Asher because that would be your Iran. Okay, that would be your Iran. It's kind of saying they're all confederate because they're all around Israel. But even Asher's against them and confederate with them, Iran, okay? And I'm not trying to make too much of that, but just understand this. The devil believes that there's strength in numbers. And he believes that as long as you get enough soldiers together, we're going to win this thing. Well, God's not unaware of these things. Can I, can I tell you this? It, it all sounds so familiar. Keep your place here and go to Amos chapter 1. Amos chapter 1. Amos chapter 1, 
And look at verse 6. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them to Edom. Meaning they were going to remove them from the promised land and take them to Edom. And all you got to do is, is read uh, oh, the minor prophet of uh, Obadiah to see that God condemns them for this action, okay, uh, for selling them into captivity. And then it says, But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza that shall devour the palaces thereof, and I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and from the, he that holdeth the scepter from Ascalon, and I will turn mine hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, saith the Lord. And so anyhow, uh, those are the, the cities of the Philistines, and Gaza is key among them, okay? And so think about this. The Allies have always thought as long as we get a big enough army, we'll be able to destroy Israel and remove them, and we'll be able to have all the promises of God. Well, that's, that's wonderful. What's Israel's hope then? Because we've seen is, uh, the Hamas's goal, is, or Islam's goal, is to remove them as a nation. Uh, we've seen all the allies that they have. And by the way, they have far more allies than that. I, I don't know if you know this, but like uh, the islands and Indonesia and all that stuff, there's, there's more Muslims there than there is in the Middle East, okay? I mean, there's, there's, there's just tons of Muslims around the world. But notice Israel's hope. Go back to our text, okay? Go back to our text. And look, if you will, at verse 9. Now, are there a lot of stories in the Bible? Yes. And so if God picks an illustration, and we looked at that a little bit this morning with Nicodemus. God, if he's pulling up an illustration, he's doing it on purpose. Okay? And he's doing it for a reason. All right? So here's what he's saying. He's saying, Israel, you're surrounded by your enemies. They're more in number than you are. Their armies are huge compared to you. You're just this little speck. Well, yeah, you are. But look what the Bible says in verse 9. And in verse 9, the Bible says this. He says, do unto them as unto the Midianites. Hmm. I just talked about that a second ago. Who, who, who beat the Midianites? Just think about it for a second. And then the Bible says, uh, as to Sisera, hmm, and to Jabin at the brook of Kishon, which perished at Endor, they became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all the princes of Zeba and Zalmunna, uh, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Meaning, it, it, enemies in the past had said, let's remove them from being a nation. Let's destroy them. Let's send our great armies and let's, let's get the great battle. And so God says, you should probably remember, and he gives three stories here, okay? Well, the first one is, if you will, the battle for the Midianites. Who fought the Midianites, guys? Come on. Gideon. All right. Go to Judges chapter 7. Gideon. <laughs> God's saying something by choosing this text. Uh, Judges chapter 7. Look at verse 22. And you could read the whole story. You know about this. But if you remember, God said... Uh, uh, Gideon, thou great man of God. And if you're familiar with the story, Gideon came up and said, you talking to me? <laughs> Amen. You remember that? I'm not a great man of God. I, I'm afraid to uh, stand up to my dad. Okay. I mean, honestly, he's, I'm afraid to stand up to my dad. He said, well, you're going to stand up to your dad. He did. And, 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 and then he says, you're a great man of God. Now I want you to go. I want you to get an army. I want you to defeat those Midianites. And 32,000 soldiers showed up and God said, send them home. Remember that? 
He said, listen, there's, there's too many here. And he says, anybody who doesn't want to fight, go home. 22,000 of them left. Amen. Then he says, you still have too many. He says, send some more home. 10,000 more of them went home. You guys know the story, right? And then he says, here, here's how I want you to choose them. He says, those who are alert and ready for battle, pick them. Okay, those who are alert. And so the ones that went to the water going like this. You guys remember the story? And uh, he says, those are the ones. How many you got? He says, I got 300. Perfect. Perfect. 300. 32,000 down to 300. And God said, now I can show myself mighty for you. Because if 32,000 would have won the battle, you would have given credit to the 32,000. But when 300 of them, by the way, that show up with a lamp and a pot on top of it. <laughs> Does God give some silly battle plans sometimes just to make a point? Here, show up with a, a lamp and a, put a pot on it and have a bugle and, and, and take and blow that horn. It's the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and break the things and, ah, right? Come on. <laughs> You're going to do what to my people? Watch what I do with just some lamps. Amen. Put them on the run. And by the way, the easiest way to defeat an army is when they're running. Okay? And so after that, everybody else joined the battle. They took and they destroyed them. Look what the Bible says here. Judges 7, verse 22. The Bible says, And 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. And what that means is, folks, they weren't slaying the Midianites, the Midianites were slaying the Midianites. Amen. The Bible says this, it says, Even throughout all the hosts, and the host fled to Bashida and Zerath, Zerath, and to the border of, okay, it's just being hard now, Abamola and Taba. It says, And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And, and so the Bible says, And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto uh, Bethbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. Excuse me. And they took the two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. By the way, that's in our text. Amen. The Bible says, And they slew Oreb upon the rock, and of Zeb, and they slew in the wide press. And of Zeb, and they pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. You know what God was saying? God's saying in, in, in uh, Psalm chapter 83, he's saying, you've got hope. Why? Because if I can defeat them with 300 people, I can still defeat them even though they're all confederate against you. Folks, I don't care how much money they have. I don't care how many people they send. I will tell you this. If God's fighting for Israel, Israel's going to win. Praise God for that. And so, you know, take this the right way. But even in a time of warfare, they can have confidence. Why? God has made us some promises. What about the battles of our life? Yeah, it's too much for me. I can't do it. God has made us some promises. Why don't you just trust me and let me show myself mighty on your behalf. Amen. Let me fight your battles for you. Let me give you the victory. Have faith and watch what wonderful things that I can do. That's Israel's hope. Israel's hope is that they're going to get victory over the Midianites. Anybody know who the modern Midianites are? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, okay? So Saudi Arabia is the modern Midianites, okay? 
And God used this story about Gideon and the 300, all right? Now, by the way, a lot of people are saying Saudi Arabia is going to try to become allies with Israel. None of that really makes a difference to me because they're not going to win the battle because of their allies. They're going to win the battle because of their God. Amen. Notice also, if you will, God is saying this. He's saying, I delivered them with 300 in the past. I can deliver them with 300 in the future. All right? Well, think about the next story he talked about because he talked about Sisera. You guys remember that story? Sisera was a great general, if you will. Uh, They were worried about defeating him. Yeah. We talked about women have a purpose in the church. Amen. This is one of the great women's stories in the Bible. Amen. Go to Judges chapter 4, please. Judges chapter 4. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, uh, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. By the way, Barak, if you're not familiar, he was a, a reluctant warrior. He said, I won't go to war unless, Deborah, you go with me. Now, you think about that. <laughs> he says, I'm not going unless Deborah goes with me, okay? But anyhow, he's fighting the battle, and the Bible says God has discomfited the enemy, and he's put them on uh, uh, where, they're, uh, where they're running away, and now they're being pursued. And in verse 17, it says, Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and uh, the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in unto me, fear not. And when he turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And uh, he said unto me, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him to drink and covered him. By the way, she did that on purpose. Amen. You take and drink a little milk before you take your nap, right? The Bible says again, he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and he fastened it to the ground for he was fast asleep and weary so he died. I'm just telling you. (laughs) That's a headache. Amen. The Bible says literally that uh, a woman defeated the general of the army who was going to defeat them. Folks, please take this the right way. How do, how do Muslims treat women? Remember how I said they treat them worse than property? Because that is true. They treat them worse than cattle. Okay? They have less rights. They are abused. They're, I, I don't know why any Muslim woman would stand up for the faith like a lot of them do. I just don't understand it. It must be fear or something like that. I don't understand why they would do it because of how poorly that they're treated in those societies. Okay? But my whole point is, do you think God picked these illustrations on purpose? He said this, I've made some promises to Israel, and if I can defeat armies with 300 men with lamps, and if I can take and defeat a general with one woman and a nail, come on now, amen, all right? I don't know what kind of nails they used back then. (laughs) Amen? You all understand that? And so we see Israel's hope is because of their past victories. God chose those as examples on purpose. You know what else he could have chosen? He could have chosen to talk about Gaza itself. 
I don't know how many of y'all know this, but the story of Samson is involved with Gaza. So go with me, if you will, to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And again, I don't believe there's any mistakes in the Bible. I believe God did all this on purpose. The Bible says, Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. You guys know the story of Samson, okay? And so the story of Samson here is taking place in Gaza, all right? And uh, <clears throat> look down at verse 21. You guys know the story, what happened. She got deceived, or she deceived him, eventually cut his hair, he lost his power. And um, uh, uh, they put his eyes out. Y'all with me? You guys remember that? But notice what it says here in verse 21. It says, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after that he was shaven. Now, by the way, his hair was not his source of power, folks. His God was his source of power. Okay, but the, the hair was just a symbol of that relationship. And as that relationship was restored, okay, and he's just doing like this, you guys know the story. The Bible says that he said, Lord, one more chance. One more chance. I'm paraphrasing here. But they put him on the pillars of the building, and the Bible says he leaned against them, and the building came crashing down, and all those residents of Gaza, the Bible says he killed more in his death than he killed in his whole life as a warrior for God. Come on now, amen. God is taking and saying this. Matter of fact, a lot of people are making a big deal about this. It's called the Samson Alternative or something like that. I, I didn't follow it enough to really get into it. But a lot of people are talking about Gaza and this Samson thing, about they're going to keep fighting, fighting, fighting until they destroy themselves. Amen. It's already happened once. It happened in Gaza. Amen. How about this one? How about Hezekiah? Go, if you will, to, to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. Second Kings chapter 18, go to verse 8. And it's talking about Hezekiah here, okay? We'll go to verse 7 for context. The Bible says, And the Lord was with him, and he prospered wheresoever he went, whether he went forth and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Remember, Asher is the ultimate enemy in all this. It says, He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the border thereof from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. I think I went one too far. But my whole point is this, is uh, the Bible talks about he smote the Philistines. They defeated. They're always defeated. Folks, every time Gaza is mentioned, they're either under condemnation or they're being defeated. Amen? And by the way, how sad that those poor people think they can kidnap some innocent people. That's all I've done. And somehow they're going to win a war because they've done some despicable thing like that. No, folks, they're going to lose. 
they're going to lose, okay? Israel's hope is, even though the devil has his moments, he's going to lose. And he gives example after example using Gaza and, and, and this text that we're looking at. So what is Hamas's hope in all this? Go back to our text one more time. And uh, we see what Hamas's hope is. How many of y'all believe this? God's not willing that any should perish. Okay. And those people right now got to be seeing we are not winning. We're losing. Okay. And either people have left. By the way, you've noticed that no Muslim countries have taken them in. They're not going to. Okay. It just tells you what they are to them. They're just pawns. Okay. And they're going to lose. Why? Because God has promised that land to Israel, and he's going to give them the victory. We've seen that again and again here. Amen. But look at verse 16. In verse 16, the Bible says, fill their faces with shame. Well, shame for what? For what they've done. I, I don't know if you've, on Fox News the other day, and I, please forgive me for, you know, I, I, they were using an illustration of what had happened and this one uh, newscaster was given a report about a, uh, a Hamas soldier that went and had just butchered a family. And they called their parents and bragged, hey, I've killed these Jews. And the parents said, we're so proud of you. Congratulations. We're so proud of you. By the way, they're probably thinking they'll never see that child again because they know that they're, they're there to be martyrs. You guys understand that. Amen. And so we're so proud of what you've done. That shameful thing of killing innocents that wouldn't have hurt them. Can you, can you get this? Do you think maybe at some point they're going to say, this is not right. Amen. This is a terrible thing that we've done. And would to God that they could have a conscience about it. Can I tell you this? You cannot get a person saved until you can get them convicted. Y'all understand? And so that's what he's talking about. This is Hamas's hope that maybe they'll see some of the shameful things that they're doing. They're going to see that they're on the losing side. Amen. They're going to take and they maybe understand that the God of the Bible is the true God. And then maybe they'll just take and acknowledge, you know what? There's somebody stronger than Allah. Why? Because how can we lose all the time? We lose, we lose, we lose. We look at history, we lose, we lose, we lose. Why? Because your face, you're, you're serving the wrong God. And hopefully they would come to the point, man, I'm just so ashamed. Why? I picked the wrong team. Okay? And, and so that's what I was talking about, verse 16. Look at verse 17. In verse 17, the Bible says this. It says, let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame but then he says, and perish, now he's talking about in judgment. But then in verse 18, he says this, that they may know that thou whose name is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. The sad truth is, guys, most of them aren't going to repent. And most of them aren't going to be ashamed of what they're going to do or have done. And to be quite honest with you, their story is going to be sad. And they are going to lose. This text makes it abundantly clear, our study we looked at over half of the incidents of Gaza. But again, God doesn't make any mistakes. Y'all believe that? Every little detail in your Bible is important. Okay? Now, you might not understand why it's important sometimes. But every detail in your Bible is important. Okay? And so, you may know the last time Gaza is mentioned in the Bible. Because the last time God's 
mentions Gaza in the Bible is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Would you all go there? Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And look at verse 26. And if you guys know your addresses, you know we're pretty close to a pretty important story in the Bible. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he rose, and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, and then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. You guys know the story. He, he preached Christ to him. He got saved. He got baptized. And he got on his way. You know, we use this question all the time. You talk about deepest, darkest Africa. Okay. And you say, what hope is there for people in this world raised in this wicked religion in this way? Well, I will tell you this. It's a pretty rough situation for them. But it's not a hopeless situation for them. Why? Because I believe this, and I believe this principle is taught here. I believe we can see it in Psalm 83, and I believe we can see it concerning Gaza. Meaning that if God knows you have a heart to believe, God will get somebody to you. Amen. God will get the message to you. Y'all understand that? You know, the Bible just says that the heavens declare the glory of God firmly in his handiwork. The Bible says, night unto night utter a speech, day unto day utter a speech, if you will. And he's saying there's no place you can go where there's not a witness that God is God. God is powerful. And by the way, God is the only God. And that's the context of that psalm that we've looked at tonight. Do you realize, hopefully, the hope is, of all these Muslims who've been mistaught and miseducated and filled with hatred and a desire to wipe Israel off the map, and you say, we hate them! No, we don't. No, we don't. We hate what they're doing. You say, well, God hates them. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. When God says he's not willing that any should perish, you know what that means? He's not willing that anybody should perish. And I believe that he, he chooses this on purpose here, and it's, it's pertinent to us today, but he sent a man all the way to Gaza to get one man saved. Amen. And I, I don't know who it is, but I believe this with all my heart. I believe with all this terrible thing going on in Gaza right now, there's, there's that one soul. Might be more than one. I hope it's more than one. They might say, you know what, my God's let me down. But their God just keeps winning and winning and winning and winning. How many ways does he have to show us that he alone is the one true God? And would to God somebody would see it before it's eternally too late. So is there hope for him? God got a, an evangelist to one man going through Gaza. Do you understand what you're reading? No, I need somebody to guide me. Well, let me do that. Amen. Folks, let's not give up on some very hard-hearted people because God has not given up on them. And I think that's part of the message of Psalm 83. Let's all stand, if you would.
What number, Danny? 